The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 155 Staying Pure in Babylon Jerusalem lay in a heap of ruins, the capital city of the Israelite nation that David conquered over 400 years earlier was now without a single inhabitant. The Jews who survived the final siege by the mighty Babylonian army were transported to Babylon as slaves, just as the prophet Jeremiah had warned. As for the throne of David, it no longer resided in the land of Israel, nor was it taken to Babylon. Rather, it was brought to Ireland. The royal bloodline had been sustained through King Zedekiah's daughter, Tiatefi. God's chosen people no longer had a country to call home. But God didn't leave them without hope. On the mournful walk to Babylon, many of the Jews recalled the decades leading up to the downfall of the nation. They thought about how they refused to keep the many laws God had given their nation to keep them happy, joyous, and pure. They thought about their stubborn refusal to listen to the words of God's prophet. It was now obvious Jeremiah had told them the truth. However, Many also recalled that Jeremiah's message was one of hope, a message of what was to happen after they went into captivity. On many occasions, Jeremiah had prophesied that while the nation would be taken, it also would be released by God's mighty hand after 70 years. Jeremiah had even sent messengers to those already in captivity to tell them this good news. Included in the first wave of those taken to Babylon were a number of highly talented and healthy youngsters, probably still in their early teens. These were selected by the Babylonian government to be further educated in languages, science, literature, and logic for a period of three years, so as to be of service inside the king's court. The Bible draws attention to four of these lads, Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. Walking through the streets of Babylon for the first time, the young Jews were mystified by the noise and chaos of the massive city. Surrounded by the royal guard of Nebuchadnezzar, the group could only get glimpses of the outside world. Their ears were filled with the foreign chants of merchants lining the streets trying to sell their exotic goods ahead of them. They could see wagons topped by colorful fabrics jostle back and forth over the bumpy roadway. After a while, 
They were no longer walking on rough road, but smooth stone. They entered a massive walled enclosure, inside which was an awe-inspiring display of large trees and shrubs, flowing fountains and lavish green lawns. They came to a halt, and the surrounding troops broke formation to reveal a well-dressed man standing on the steps in front of them. Welcome to the royal palace of Nebuchadnezzar, king of the universe, the man spoke up boldly. I am the chief royal eunuch and will be in charge of you for the next three years. The young people didn't know what to expect, but there was something about the beauty of the royal grounds that actually began to put them at ease. You have nothing to fear here. The eunuch continued. You are the brightest of your people, and as such, we intend to teach you in our royal academy to see if you can be used to help our mighty empire. Our first order of business is to give you Babylonian names. After this, my assistants here will show you to your quarters. The group of young people were all given names they could hardly pronounce and told to use them from that point on. Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you are assigned to Melzar, announced the chief eunuch as one of his assistants stepped forward. Hearing their new names, Daniel and his three friends followed the assistant up the stairs toward the large palace building. As they settled in their rooms, Daniel, now called Belteshazzar, spoke up to his friends. Whatever happens, he said, we need to stay true to the laws of God. While many of the other Jewish captives started to completely assimilate to the Babylonian ways, Daniel and his young companions determined to follow God's laws. It was customary for young people in the king's court to eat the same food and drink as the king. If they were to be strong, fit, and healthy, it was thought these youths should be fed the very best. However, the very best foods by Babylonian standards included many rich delicacies as well as meats that God's law identifies as unclean. Daniel quickly realized that he would have to make a stand. If we eat all these rich, unhealthy foods and drink all this wine, we aren't going to be healthy at all. He confided to his friends. All of them agreed not to eat the impure foods. The next day, as they were preparing to study, Melzar entered the room with a tray full of meats and rich delicacies. Daniel spoke up. We appreciate all the effort you have put forth, but our bodies are simply not used to such foods. Since childhood, we've only eaten a diet of natural, simple foods. Would it be possible to feed us just vegetables and grains from now on? What do you mean? The puzzled steward answered. 
These are the finest and healthiest foods that can be found. The very same food and drink that Nebuchadnezzar himself eats. If you don't eat our food and you get sick from malnourishment, it will be my head on the chopping block. Please, we beg of you, Daniel continued. We can try a test. For the next ten days, just give us vegetables, grains, and water. Then compare our health and countenance to that of the other children who eat the king's food. You will see who looks healthier. Melzar had developed a liking for Daniel and decided to take the risk. Okay, ten days, and that's it. Then you are back on the king's meat. Melzar left the room, still holding the tray full of food. As soon as he was out of sight, Daniel and his three friends stood up and did a little dance, happy that they would not be forced to eat the unclean foods. Sure enough, after ten days on the diet, the four Jewish teenagers looked fit, healthy, and vibrant, their countenances glowing radiantly. Melzar was amazed that they could survive on such simple foods. He agreed to keep their diet just the way they wanted it. Three full years of education in the royal court of King Nebuchadnezzar developed the minds of Daniel and his friends. They were instructed in mathematics and the sciences, as well as a number of different languages. All the while, they remained true to the laws of God. For their steadfastness, even in the midst of Babylonian debauchery, God blessed the lads. God added to their wisdom, knowledge, and skills, so they stood out from all the other youths going through the same program. As for Daniel, God blessed him with the understanding of dreams and visions. Daniel had the miraculous ability to see both the dreams of others and to determine whether they had any meaning. After three years, all the trainees were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. One by one, the king conversed with the youngsters to determine who could best help his world-dominating empire. It didn't take long for Nebuchadnezzar to realize how advanced Daniel and his three friends were, both intellectually and physically. He decided to use them all in the royal court to help decide government policy. In all matters involving wisdom and good sense, Nebuchadnezzar found the Jewish lads ten times better than all his Babylonian advisors. Soon after elevating the four youths to official service in Babylon's court, King Nebuchadnezzar experienced a vivid dream. So powerful was the vision that it awoke him from sleep and troubled him greatly. Sitting up on his bed, he knew that the dream was extraordinary and had to find out its meaning. 
The next morning, the king summoned all the astrologers, magicians, and wise men in Babylon to the palace. May King Nebuchadnezzar live forever! May King Nebuchadnezzar live forever! The group said in unison as they assembled before the king sitting on his throne. With his furrowed brow and bags under his eyes from lack of sleep, Nebuchadnezzar did not look happy. Listen up, the king snapped. Last night I had a powerful dream that I know means something, and I must find out what. Oh, mighty king, tell us your dream. A spokesman for the group confidently replied, And we will inform you of its interpretation. No, I'm not going to tell you the dream, the king answered. This way I will know you aren't lying to me. Nevertheless, one of you better tell me what both the dream was and what it means, or I'll cut all of you into pieces and make your houses dunghills, so not even your families can live there. Whomever is able to correctly interpret my dream, I will lavish upon him all the gifts of my empire as well as high position in my government. Knowing it was an impossible task to discover what happened in the mind of the king, the group of astrologers and magicians gathered to make a plan that would convince the king they knew the dream. One of the men called out once more for the king to tell them his dream. However, Nebuchadnezzar saw through their plan. Enough of your whispering. I know you are stalling. You want to delay me so that the dream goes completely out of my consciousness. Only if you are able to reveal to me the dream will I know that your interpretation is also true and that you didn't just make it up, as your lot habitually does. The mass of magicians realized their case was hopeless. All of them knew their supposed magic was merely tricks and illusions that had the appearance of divine intervention. Understanding this, one of the men spoke up, being refreshingly honest. Oh king, there is not a man on the face of the earth that can do what you ask of us. That's why no king, lord, or ruler would ask such a thing. Only the gods can show you what you ask, but they hardly ever help us fleshly beings. The king expected such a response. What good are you to me then? He demanded. If you cannot perform when I need you most, then you wise men here and all through Babylon will die. At a signal, the king's royal guard entered the throne room and surrounded the magicians, placing them all under arrest until the rest of the wise men could be gathered together. The same day, the king wrote a decree for the entire kingdom of Babylon that all the wise men were to be put to death. He then dispatched his finest soldiers to round up those who had not yet been arrested. While Daniel was not a magician in any way, he was extremely prudent and wise, giving accurate advice in running the kingdom. Since he was one of the wise men, he was included on the list of people to be killed. Why didn't I hear about this before? Daniel asked the king's guard when they came to his house just outside the palace gates. It was just announced today. Arioch, the captain of the guard, responded. 
Nevertheless, I am commanded to arrest you. The king is being very hasty in this matter. Daniel responded calmly. Please go and tell King Nebuchadnezzar that if he would give me one night, I will give him both his dream and the true interpretation. Arioch agreed and hurriedly delivered the news to the king. Even though Nebuchadnezzar was furious at his magicians and wanted them all put to death immediately, he desperately wanted to understand his dream. So he granted Daniel's request. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church. Thank you.